Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I am the new female Thor. Wait, that doesn't work. But I did have a lightning strike literally right next to me uh, yesterday, and there was another lightning strike at the world-famous Choate Rosemary Hall boarding school, which is here in town and just a couple blocks over from me. Uh, lightning struck the building, caught fire. It was uh, big news, big news, because it's just a couple blocks away. Uh, well, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, uh, Jay, well, I'm glad. It, I'm glad you you made it through the storm. As well, it I'm were. Thor. Uh, I can. I, can I am now familiar with uh, Night Monkey. Yes. I, I saw the Spider-Man film, so I'm all good there, folks. It was good. If you haven't seen it, get out to to theaters and see that one as well. Uh, we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about podcasts, Jay. Woo! Why don't we start with? What Apple is doing. Uh, first of all, they're doing a couple of things uh, this week. As a matter of fact, uh, the new Apple categories are going into effect in the back end of many of your media hosting providers. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But right after you and I got done recording last week, so one of the problems you mentioned of recording early, uh, we missed a Nick Qua report uh, in the Hot Pod newsletter. Uh, this is from Bloomberg. Apple is planning on spending some money, Jay. Yes. And this is actually not even the article that we missed last week from recording early. This is uh, this is a little bit more recent. But Bloomberg put out a report that says that Apple has been reaching out to independent podcasters looking to acquire them uh, and make them exclusive to Apple. Now, I don't 100% know why apple would be doing this what what the long game is for them in terms of this other than they see spotify doing it and uh maybe even pandora doing this a little bit and there's that sort of competition but nick kwan today's hot pod said this assuming the bloomberg report holds true apple is now another major buyer and that's good news for a certain I'm pausing there for dramatic effect, kind of audio producer, creator, and entrepreneur. And now let me go back to that pause for a certain kind of audio producer, creator, and entrepreneur. Now, Todd also mentioned, Todd Cochran on the uh, new media show also mentions, he's mentioned this numerous times. He mentioned it this past weekend. Apple can do a rounding error in their accounting and buy the top 200 podcasts and not even a blink of an eye. And now they put a major dent in Spotify's uh, distribution plans because if Apple had all of the top 200 shows, now, is it in those top 200 shows to be only exclusive to Apple? Probably not. I think that's I think that's what's getting lost in the messaging here with everyone's reactions is that why would being exclusive be in the best interest of any program unless the check being made out to you to be exclusive was a ginormous one? And I mean, it would have to be ginormous because you have to think about the long-term revenue that you're going to be missing out on when you're talking about the loss of revenue from being exclusive to just one platform. Yes, and yet here we are as an industry out here every day. What do we promote first and foremost and have since the very beginning? Apple. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Review us in Apple Podcasts. 
Drop that review in iTunes. Don't you know it helps other people find us? It's so helpful uh, for for new listeners to discover our show. It's not, by the way, it's not helpful for new listeners to discover our show. We've talked about that. But we say that. We give them the promotion for free anyway, Jay. I'm saying we've given them the promotion for 10 years, longer than that. How long has it they've been in the we've been in the Apple in the 14 iTunes 15 years? Yeah, 14 years now. Yeah, a decade and a and a half. Like I'm glad they're writing a check. I'm not I'm not going to complain about this at all. And I think that many of the podcasts that are going to be targeted won't have any problem being Apple exclusive anyway. I bet when they look at their stats, many of them are 70-80% Apple currently. They'll be happy to direct the rest of that audience either to their website where they can just click play and listen to it through Apple's player that now works on the web or uh, go straight to the Apple Podcasts app that now also works on your Mac, you know? So, like, I think the combination of those things, the that Apple is pushing the Apple Podcast brand a little bit more and separating the app out onto Mac as well, and the fact that the shows that are going to be targeted and the kind of producers, as Nick said, the, a certain kind, that certain kind, their listeners are not listening in Overcast primarily anyway. Their listeners are not listening in Spotify primarily anyway. Now, those shows over the next five years could easily drive a lot of listeners to Spotify if they started promoting it heavily. And I think that's what Apple is trying to head off here. Perhaps, but again, it's sort of... We, we've had this conversation, and specifically we had it around when Spotify started purchasing shows and making them exclusive to Spotify, and sort of the whole idea of there's going to be these closed platforms. I do get concerned, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, article about what will kill podcasting. I am a little concerned about this closed platform thing, and it's not that I'm one of those old fogies that is like, oh, open source, RSS, blah, 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 blah. I'm more about the, well, which platform's going to work best for my little show that doesn't drive enormous listens? Which which platform's going to embrace me? Which platform is going to be like, hey, we need you on our, on our site just as much as we need this ginormous one that, you know, commands millions of downloads per episode? Which platform is going to work best for me? And at this particular point, I don't think any of the uh, any of the distributing platforms have that in mind at all. If app, the only one that we thought previously was Apple, but if Apple's now getting into this game of exclusivity, that changes their whole. You know, that, that's going to change everything for them. They're going to be more inclined to promote the shows that are exclusively on Apple that they've paid for. It's just, that's how business works. So now what happens to the independent podcasters? That's, that's what I get. That's, that's where my concern lies and we can only wait and see. And most of these platforms still remain open and yet have exclusive, exclusive content as well. But at the end of the day, we know what's ultimately going to happen as the years go by. They're going to close their walls and they're going to shut out the little voices because all they're doing is, you know, taking pennies away from their riches. I, I, I'm just not worried about that. I'm just not, you know, I know that there are people out there like Marco Armit with Overcast. There are other third party app developers, uh, some smaller, some larger, 
that are heavily into the idea of independent podcasters. There are people like Todd Cochran. There are people like Rob Walsh. And those folks are going to be able to maintain an independent ecosystem no matter what the big dogs do. That's the way that I feel about it. I, that's and, and, and me, I'm going to put myself into that list too, right? Like I'm not going to stop podcasting uh, no matter what happens here with the giant companies. And if they don't have room for me, I'll use those independent venues. I mean, that's, that's just the way that I feel about it. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm just not concerned. Um, yeah, I'm just not. Uh, I think, I think this is all going to work out. Okay. Uh, I do think though that it is great for that certain segment. I've got a buddy, um, um, who I have helped. He he was a younger guy, uh, a friend of mine from college, uh, worked with this kid when, as when she was a grad student and he was an undergrad said, Hey, I'd like to introduce you. He's, he's getting into radio drama and stuff. And, uh, I, I helped him learn the ropes a little bit and he's far advanced me as far as narrative podcasting goes. Now he's already got a gig with Amazon. He's made one project with them. I know for their audible stuff, like I see this and go, Oh, this is perfect for him. I, this is, this is perfect for him. I can't wait for those opportunities that are going to come, the extra checks that are going to come his way and others like him, other people that I know in that field. Uh, for me, does this mean any money? Probably not. I can't really see Apple buying this show or, you know, another show that I do realistically, but I think it, uh, I don't, I'm not worried that it's going to hurt the ecosystem, I guess is my broader point, Jay. I'm just not. Um, now this, why don't we move to the other thing that Apple did? Uh, or is doing this week, rather. Uh, Their podcasting category changes have gone into effect uh, this week, at least with Libsyn's back in. If you use Libsyn as your media host, uh, you can go and make those changes now for your categories. I have not done it for my clients, but I'm set up to do it this week. Um, And uh, I don't know how quickly that's rolling out to other media hosts. This article comes from Blueberry, so I'm assuming that they are probably on top of it and rolled out the changes this week, too. Changes 2019 Apple Podcast category changes affect nearly 75% of podcast shows. Is your podcast affected by the change? Take advantage of this opportunity. If your show can take advantage of the new categories, update your categories immediately. This change is an opportunity for your show to be one of the first in these new categories. If you are a Blueberry.com hosting customer, please go to the podcaster dashboard, click the podcast settings, etc., etc. Jay, why is it such an opportunity? to make this change. Why, why is Todd so excited about this possibility? I had not thought about it in this way until this article. Well, it was Angelo uh, who sort of did the math on this over at Blueberry. And this is the key line. It's, it's all the way at the end of the article. I wish they had led with this. These new categories and subcategories will now have their own top 200 shows featured within them, which will give over 13,000 podcasts top 200 exposure in the Apple Podcasts directory. Now, we're talking about (laughs) that ecosphere and the independent podcaster. That's a huge number. Uh, I can tell you 13,000 podcasts doesn't account for the top 1%. You know, when you listen to Rob Walsh give out the numbers of what the median mean is, and 1% is, you know, podcasts over... Uh, I think it's over 30,000 downloads per episode or something like that. Um, I could be wrong. That sounds about right. 
but it's close. I think it's higher than that. I think it's higher than that, but it's in that range anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's close at the very least. Uh, so 13,000, that's great. We we talk about the discovery problem in podcasting. I hold that there isn't a discovery problem. There's a discovery of your podcast problem. Uh, this this would go towards helping your podcast problem, your podcast discovery problem, uh, being in, in, in another individual top 200. Now, that said, we'll see exactly how much this sort of weeds out the chafe, so to speak. Or was I supposed to say that the other way around? Man, I am all over the place today. Um, separating the wheat from the chaff, I think. I got you. I knew what you meant. <laughs> we, we've also talked about the fact that there are a lot of quote-unquote dead shows in Apple. Some of those shows may end up showing up in these top 200s uh, if this many podcasts are going to end up being featured. Um, there's a good chance that well, there's going to be shows that are dormant. category. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, that's a good point, too. Uh, so yeah. So if, so, you're, if you're dormant, yeah. if you're truly dormant, you're not going to go in and change the category probably in your back end, which means that you might be lost in the shuffle. I think that's maybe one of their hopes, one of Apple's hopes is like, oh, we'll have a bunch of shows that will effectively fall out of the categories because they won't relist properly. That that's interesting. Um, so so you need to you need to look into that. If you are an independent producer and you're working on your show yourself, particularly if you have clients, you need to start looking this week at making those changes in the back end of your media host uh, and take advantage of that as quickly as possible. Now, it's my understanding, though, Jay, these won't actually work for the results. They won't show up in Apple's app until the fall right and now they might for me because i'm running betas on my ios devices but for most of us these won't show up until we get ios 13 uh you know in september I'm that assuming. part i don't know that i i leave that sort of stuff up to you i i i will i will verify that this week and and let you know that uh whether or not that's true uh next week but i believe that it is the case you will only actually see these changes take effect if you're using iOS 13 uh, or I suppose Mac OS Catalina, which is the next version of Mac, which includes the Apple Podcasts app. Uh, but that one will actually be later even than iOS 13. Generally, the iOS app, uh, the iOS update comes out the same time as the new iPhones. So the first or second week of September and then the Mac o uh, Mac update comes in October generally they'll have a second event a lot of times with like iPad releases and that sort of thing um, anyway interesting and honestly Jay I mean I, I we've talked about the category changes before uh, we, we haven't talked about the fact that they've actually been implemented now you can take advantage of them in most media hosts but also we hadn't looked at it from this sort of an opportunity um, you know to sort of reshuffle things and that is a problem for a lot of people it's a problem that a lot of people have been complaining about a long time Take advantage of this new sort of gold rush, I suppose. Uh, your boyfriend's back. Yeah, he is. And he's going <laughs> to cause some trouble. Hey, now. Hey, now. Uh, Tom Webster. Uh, yeah, well, first, we should start with the New York Times did a piece about the death of podcasting. Have we arrived at peak podcasting? And is it dying already? Uh, which many of us, of course, laugh at sort of. Clearly, it's another one of those clickbaity type articles that the research the writer didn't do his research and didn't talk to enough people and uh nick qua writes about it in the latest hot pod tom webster had an article a couple days ago about 
No, we haven't reached the death of podcasting, but what will kill podcasting is this. And actually, he starts with what won't kill podcasting. And there's some interesting insights, as always, from the wise Webby uh, when it comes to talking about uh, the business of podcasting. Uh, starting with, no one has right to an audience. I'm going to pause for dramatic effect and repeat that again. No one has a right to an audience. Though your cause be just and your hearts be pure, you don't get handed an audience. You don't deserve one, not one single pair of earballs. And thus, podcasting simply becomes like every other medium known to humankind. No blogger has the right to an audience either. Wilkie Collins out-Dickinsoned Charles Dickens and wrote the first detective story before Poe. But we read Dickens and Poe today, not Collins. Dickens had his own magazine... Pause for dramatic effect. Go figure. <clears throat> so again, it's not that just because you make a great podcast, it could sound phenomenal. It could have the three E's that I talk about all the time. It could be the most wonderful podcast that nobody's ever heard. <laughs> and it still won't get that audience because you haven't done any marketing. You haven't forged any sort of relationships with your community. You haven't tried to build a community around it. You haven't tried to do any sort of marketing for it whatsoever. Just because you make it, they will not come. The field of dreams, that doesn't happen. You don't build it and then they come. That's Nope. You got to do a lot more than that. So uh, be aware that, you know, that's not that's not a cause of the death of podcasting. Uh, Tom goes on to another uh, point about kill, what won't kill podcasting. The atomic unit of the podcast is not RSS. It's the show. Alex Carter pointed out on Twitter that it's actually the episode, which is fair. And anyway, it's never been up to the creators. It's always up to the audience. If I put my show on Spotify, it may no longer be a podcast by definition. But what do you think the average Spotify listener will call it? We've done a pretty good job normalizing what is pretty wonky technical term podcast. Why screw this up now? And he makes a great point there because we always talk about, well, this is technically streaming and streaming isn't even technically streaming. It's progressively downloading. And uh, if it doesn't get fed on RSS feed and it's not an Apple, then you can't call it a podcast. And that point is the one that I wanted to highlight there. Even if it's just a show on Spotify, even if it's just a show on Pandora, it's still going to be called a podcast by the audience. So this goes back to the whole, we're going to look podcast is such a stupid term let's call this something different and i guess in a way maybe that is the death of podcast as a term maybe it is time that we just start calling it on-demand audio or or something even more generic to cite specifically what it is that people are listening to but ultimately the audience that's listening on Spotify sees it's listed as a podcast they're gonna call it a podcast even though it may technically not be a podcast I I mean I guess chalk me up like the Kleenex executive you know early in the genericization of that word I don't want this I don't I don't want podcast to just mean audio show I like we do have a word for that. It's called a show. You can have a show that's not a podcast. You can have a show that's a YouTube show. You can have a show that's a web show. You can have a show that's a uh, Amazon show. You can have a show that's a TV show. 
podcast means something. I disagree with Tom here. I think I understand his argument and he may be right in the end, right? That's what happened with Kleenex. Enough people used it enough. And now anything that you wipe your nose with is a Kleenex. I get that. And that may happen with podcasting. I don't think we're quite there yet still. So I'm going to keep saying, get off my lawn for a little (laughs) while longer. For a little while longer. Now, this is where I sort of disagree with Tom, and this is sort of what he says will kill podcasting. Uh, He says, put yourself in the shoes of a media buyer. You've got to buy from a leading national advertiser. And on the one hand, you've got a podcast network offering something risky. Host read content or something bespoke to the show at, say, oh, a $25 CPM. Or another network, which is offering reach across all their shows using your existing audio and radio creative for a mere $5 CPM. What is the safe bet for your media buying career, Joel? Which one are you most likely going to buy? Having worked with many ad agencies during my time in radio before, it's the $5 CPM with the ad that you've already you know, you've already made, you've already had approved by HR, you've already had approved by the CEO, you've already paid the talent, etc., etc., etc. And it's going to be distributed not, on all your shows, not just one. Yeah. It's going to be distributed yeah, across many shows. If I, So I'm going to call them out specifically because I worked with them specifically. Raising Cane's, the chicken franchise, uh, I worked with their ad agency for – it's not the same agency that they use anymore, I don't believe. But I worked with their agency for several years. And I just – I know they're not interested in – a host read ad because they don't know your host and they don't have time to learn about your host or what their particular peccadilloes are or the weird things that they might potentially say, uh, you know, on the air that they would be upset about, et cetera, et cetera. They don't want to know about the in jokes in your audience. They're not, they don't have time or interest. If you're offering the $5 thing, they're going to buy it. Now, Tom says, so we're going to get a flood of Burger King commercials and it's going to ruin podcasting. Well, great content is expensive to produce. Great advertising native to that content's form and delivery is well worth a premium. But if several large players in the space start taking poorly executed, irrelevant ads at ultra low for podcasting CPMs, that's going to have repercussions on the economic feasibility of great audio content. And where I disagree with him is Audio Boom and Acast just reported their record growth in revenues uh, this past week. And guess what type of ads they generally feature on a majority of their podcasts those quote unquote cheap ads and and what have we said here we've got those quote unquote cheap ads on this podcast it's uh, this little bubble that exists in podcasting and i get it listen i'm not going to sit here and say i'm a lover of those cheap ads but what i am going to say is Those cheap ads are the only way I, as a smaller podcaster, am going to make money from ads. That's it, period. And we had this conversation last week. Unless I have a super targeted niche market, I'm not getting that $25 CPM no matter what. And you just mentioned it too. You were working with a company that they don't have the time to go and learn who all these hosts are and build a relationship with all of these hosts. It doesn't work. There is a company out there called A Million Ads that is trying to scale high-quality produced major branded advertising that can be dynamic and can be fed to multiple different markets. Um, But 
even when talking with them, they don't want to be in the creative space. So now you need to hire that person to be the creative, to go along with the tech, to go along with the producer, to go along with the talent. All of that's going to cost money. Here's the thing that podcasters don't seem to understand. We're still early as a medium. These $25 CPMs are fantastic. They're better than what radio is getting. And that's why radio is so attracted to podcasting right now. They go $25 CPM. Holy mackerel. Let me get in on some of that. We can't get that on our radio shows. And you're going to find that as you make higher revenues, your expenses are going to start increasing. It's just a simple matter of fact. There's no way you're going to be able to maintain the low expense, high, high revenues. It's just not going to continue. And while I agree with him that these companies that are out there that are buying the $5 CPM ads will ultimately lower the cost on all the ads altogether, because that's also just the nature of business and that's just the way that's going to end up working it's not going to kill podcasting it's going to kill the high revenues that we're seeing that you're just not going to see a guy who's got a who's only got an audience of twenty thousand people worldwide by the way think of that think about this it's fun this is something that i always find interesting when when shows say i don't have an audience nobody's listening to me and people ask well how many how many listeners do you have oh i have about 200 and then they say well think about if those 200 people were in one room how exciting would that be but they're not all in one room they're spread across the world and the world is a is getting to be a smaller place but ultimately you're still talking about the world and you take 20,000 people and you spread them across the world and they're not as exciting as 20,000 people in one location. And so that's sort of a lot of what I'm trying to get at there is that even if you have a larger audience, if you're considered one of the one percenters, as we've discussed, your audience is still scattered across the globe. So ultimately, the impact of that audience for an advertiser isn't going to hit even if it's a national branded advert, think about how, what's the percentage of your audience in the United States? I've seen, you know, depending on what kind of podcast you are, I know for my own podcast, it's like 80%, 20% of my audience, and I've got a small audience, is outside of the United States listening to American football talk. So I would imagine most podcasts are probably higher than that percentage as far as internationally, since yours is based around an American sport as well. Yeah, so like, you know, if I if I was about a TV show, it would probably be much broader internationally. Our show, for instance, about podcasting is fairly international. I think we have like a sixty sixty five percent American uh, audience versus international uh, reach, um, and and the international is largely concentrated in a few places, all English speaking countries, primarily, of course, uh, and Germany. We we have a, a fairly big listenership in Germany because Germany is a big podcasting country, has been for a long time. But those audience mean um, nothing to. I'm trying to, to advertisers. Think. Well, well, certain advertisers I mean, like Geico, right? Geico doesn't sell insurance in those countries. Perfect no. example. No. Yeah. So or Burger King, you know, Burger King does not have the penetration into most of those countries that it does in America, for instance. And their advertising, I imagine, is uh, greatly different even in the countries where they do have uh, market reach. So, um, I and those are I use Geico and Burger King as examples all the time because they are big companies that do buy podcast advertising. I mean, I've heard those ads, you know. Um, Speaking of dynamic advertising, let's let me just tell you where I sit on this, Jay, because like this is my particular thing. If I were 
a hobbyist podcaster with a single interest, okay? If I had just this show, I probably would host this show on a media host that does not use dynamic insertion and probably wouldn't have uh, dynamically inserted advertising anyway in the middle of it. However, I don't just do one show, right? I've got five podcasts that occasionally get episodes produced <laughs> and those are in various uh, stages of production on any ongoing basis, but I don't want any of them to go away. I don't want any of them to be delisted at any time. And I do want to continue to produce content for all of them uh, at some point in the future. And because of that, I would need a monthly cost for every single one of those podcasts. And the first one is easily justifiable. Dave Jackson's right. Especially if you're not producing content, all you got to pay is $5 a month to Libsyn to keep that account active, right? He's That's absolutely true. $5 a month is pretty easy. $60 a year, almost anybody can come up with that if you've got a hobby or a passion. However, how many people could come up with 60 times 5 every year? You know, like, uh, and again, just for hobby, just for fun, just for my passion. you That becomes harder to justify all of a sudden. It's a little easier for me, maybe, or you than normal people, because you and I work in the podcast industry. And so this is our business, our bread and butter. Our hobby becomes part of our day job, et cetera, et cetera. There's some crossover there. But still, I could not go to my wife and justify $300 plus worth of annual expenses for hosting a show. I just, that's not a thing that can happen. So dynamic ad insertion allows me to keep doing all of those shows that I want to do without having to come out of my pocket for every single one of them. That's the difference. And I think many, many podcasters, once they get into it and they get going, they will find they also have multiple interests or just side things that they want to pursue. I talk all the time about doing family projects, about doing genealogy stories, about talking to your grandparents, recording those family histories. Even if you only ever really put that up for your family, again, you have to host it somewhere. That's an expense. Dynamic ad insertion can make that more sustainable and, and less of a burden on you as an individual. I think there is a place for that. It's not for everybody. I'm not saying every podcaster needs to go to it. But when you get to your fifth or sixth show, sometimes those little expenses add up, Jay. Well, and the point is, when we're talking about dynamic ad insertion, by the way, as well, that's just the that's the tech that is delivering the ads. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily refer to the ads. You can have high-priced ads in dynamic ad and utilize dynamic ad insertion as well. So you can have a host right ad that's dynamically ad inserted uh, into your show. Uh, there, it just refers to the technology. It's the difference between the type of ads that you're taking on your show. And here's the thing: in Tom's article, he even mentions this. There's research that shows that even the cheap ads as I'll just call them for ease of, of phrase, they don't turn off your audience as much as you think they do. It, again, it's this little podcasting bubble. We live in this podcasting bubble. We got into podcasting because we were like, oh my God, the number of ads that are on terrestrial radio are egregious. And it is, it's absolutely egregious. 
But remember, the business model of radio is not that of podcasting, and you don't need to replicate that business model either. But you can take things from what they're doing and utilize it to your best advantage as a podcaster and understand that, no, this loud ad for Geico, this this ad that's way off. And, and we can make the technology better, by the way. There's no reason why an ad has to come in blaring out of nowhere that doesn't match with the audio of of your podcast. There are levelators out there that can work quite easily for everybody. So I don't understand. You can set the standards, and standards have been, I don't know if they've actually been set per se. It goes back to this whole trade association thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was a trade association where we set sort of a standard this is going to be the loofahs that we're going to have every piece of audio delivered to no matter where it is, no matter where it's produced, no matter what company is hosting all of this stuff. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I mean, that would be really nice. That would be really nice. I would I would especially appreciate it being a choice and a decision by podcasters as opposed to just doing whatever, you know, the largest uh, new entrants to the space say. Uh, for instance, everybody changed their luffs recently because Spotify and Amazon both wanted louder uh, than what Apple had previously asked for. I did too, in fact. Our 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 uh, luffs now match the uh, the Spotify uh, suggestion. Anyway, I I don't know. I I don't I don't know a way around this, Jay. I do know that I don't like what Blueberry is doing with it. Uh, Blueberry has announced they are charging for their dynamic advertising. Why? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, unless they're charging people to utilize the technology for their own ads, that that to me I can see that there needs to be a fee, but even then, like if you if you just create it that you have to be at a certain tier on Blueberry and then you have to pay the fee for the dynamic ad insertion. So you're charging the customer twice to even utilize the system. Like I don't understand, you know, I hear Todd talk about this all the time, how expensive it is for this to work. Well, why are there other companies that aren't charging for this sort of thing? That's what I don't understand. And by the way, those other companies that aren't charging for it, I've seen that they're starting to sniff around and they might actually start charging for it, which is disturbing to me as well. It's like, oh, well, you're telling me that people are willing to actually pay for this? <laughs> I mean, there's a revenue share too. That's the other thing. I don't know if that's discussed in this. If there's any sort of rev share with these ads, again, I have a feeling that this is just in that the charge for the use of it is for ads that you are putting that you have acquired yourself. And now you want to use the tech to actually traffic those particular ads. But even that, I still don't think that it's a necessary charge. No, I, I, I'm with you I, on both parts of that. I think it is exactly what you just described. This is set up more for, uh, like the company we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where they're like, hey, you can create promos to put in your show dynamically or advertisements directly. That That's what this is. This is not a partnership where we're going to go out and find advertising and in, insert into your show and share the revenue with you, um, which is what Audio Boom, uh, Spreaker with their Prime program, others are doing. Acast. <clears throat> a cast exactly i don't know I, I i feel like that is well anchor right i mean that's anchor. what anchor is doing yep. as well that's what anchor is doing so i don't know i think there is a way to go forward on this and i don't think i don't think blueberry has it right that's my opinion 
Um, Jay, what else? What else do we have today? There, um, last week's hot pod. Yeah, so this was the story that we missed last week uh, when we recorded early, and that was about Stitcher. Uh, Nick noticed that Stitcher appears to be in the process of changing their platform vendors, uh, where they had been using uh, Midroll for hosting services. Um, or, I'm sorry, Midroll, of course, is the company sales division at Stitcher. Uh, and their preferred platform had been Art19, and now they appear to be switching to Omni, uh, which was <laughs> the hosting platform that Triton Digital acquired in June. Uh, <laughs> Scripps is Stitcher's parent company, which acquired Triton Digital last December. Uh, so all of this is going towards this weird, we're your parent and you are our child and we're going to be one big happy family. But also don't forget that two members of the Stitcher mid-roll team went to Art19 uh, a few months ago, Triton Omni used to be all of the big broadcast uh, is used by all of the big broadcast radio people out there. Most of the big broadcasting companies that are getting into podcasting are all using Omni for this and they know Triton and it, it's just starting to become, you can start to see that there's an ecosystem being developed for the big broadcasters that doesn't necessarily include the little guys anymore. And uh, this is, again, one of the things that I would look at with a very close eye as more and more of these companies start forming relationships. And you got to just understand the relationships that, that are occurring here and why they're occurring and why you can't be part of that group because you're not a big radio broadcaster. Uh, yeah, this is uh, interesting, but not surprising. Uh, when Triton was purchased, you had to assume that they would eventually either fold their media tools or be used by their corporate overlords. Uh, you know, I mean, like that was it was going to be one or the other. Uh, so now they're using their ad serving technology. Makes sense. Triton is a company that I worked with in radio years back. Um, they did a lot of things, some of them well, some of them very well, some of them not so well. <laughs> Uh, but I think that they have been sort of streamlined and repurposed over the past few years. Um, I think this is actually going to be pretty good for them. It will be interesting to see whether they start pitching this technology to the other large companies. I, th I look at people like, you know, the PRX group in the past that have sort of done their own thing and gone their own way. Will they just partner with a big company like this? Makes sense might be a lot of um, um, efficiencies on both sides. And then also, will they start using some of those big public radio companies maybe for the creative side of this, for instance? Are there are there potentially some partnerships there to be created? Um, and then honestly, you, you get something like that and you could have the kind of behemoth that could lock down effectively all of the professional level podcast advertising pretty quickly. I'm just... By the way, all of this just continues to blow my mind. But another sort of idea behind all these radio broadcasters creating their own ecosphere in radio, uh, in podcasting, and it goes towards the fact that, remember, Joel, radio, and you're from radio, is expensive. It's a lot to have a tower that broadcasts 5,000 watts or whatever it's broadcasting and to upkeep those studios and upkeep that. Podcasting is very, very cheap. Uh, in in relation to that, distributing over the internet is a lot cheaper than it is via broadcast. And as more cars become more digitally 
uh, compatible and as it becomes even more easy to get everything delivered to you digitally, these radio stations are going to have to find a new way to distribute their content and they're starting to form all these relationships. And now Nielsen is another one that's been trying to get in on this. Yes, the same company that gives you your TV ratings, they're also involved in radio and they now want to be heavily involved in podcasting. We've seen some reports from Nielsen about buyer um, habits uh, regarding certain audiences and what sort of things that they buy, depending on the type of podcast that they listen to. And now they're expanding that type of research even further. They formed a partnership with five other companies. Uh, one of them, by the way, does happen to be Stitcher, uh, iHeartMedia, Cadence 13, Westwood One, and Cabana, uh, all getting in on getting some of this information that will help them provide even more information to potential brand advertisers to work more towards that direct response type ads, which bring those higher CPMs and blah, 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 blah. You can see, but they're all working together. They're working. There are other companies that do this that aren't already involved in radio. The mid roll being one of them, although stitcher is part of mid roll and that they're also buying in on this. It's just, it's just one of those things. And, and, as to even expand upon this, there's been a couple of new hires here recently in the podcasting space. Crooked Media, uh, they have tapped former Netflix executive Sarah Geismer for their creative development post. And American Public Media has hired Liliana Kim, who was formerly the vice president of MTV International Content Strategy and Brand Management, as their new managing director of podcasts. This isn't bad for the space. But it's also people that have never been involved in podcasting. So the pro is they're going to hopefully bring some fresh ideas, some fresh set of eyes, some fresh set of earballs to help develop new types of content in the podcasting space. The con is that they haven't been involved in the podcasting space at all, if at all. And they're gonna make and they're gonna make the same they're gonna just make the same mistakes that have been made 15 years ago that don't need to be made again. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how I've, I mean it's exciting to know that you know a couple of executives people that were fairly high ranking in the quote unquote traditional media world would be interested in making the move to podcasting right in both of these cases this seems to me to show the uh, maturity and the, the maturation of our industry that's great news but yeah neither one of these people have backgrounds neither one of these ladies has backgrounds in audio that concerns me um i mean they both have they both have backgrounds in in media agencies that know good storytelling true right mm -hmm. which would recommend them and so i'll give them that as a benefit of it out i suppose but at the same time like uh, the audio world is a different space entirely and i i am a little concerned um that at least off the top neither one of these have any radio background or or you know again audio experience it's just again it's just start seeing i start seeing this happening more and more is this little closed off ecosphere of the big broadcaster in podcasting and the independent podcaster and they're just the divisions are becoming clearer and clearer and hopefully you know something like podcast movement, which I know is happening in a couple of weeks can help blend that some more. The problem is, is I still see 
it's 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 still sort of separated it's too separated it need somehow we need to find a way to blend it together because i've always said the big podcaster can learn from the little podcaster and vice versa there are there are things that both sides do very well and there are things that both sides do very poorly that the other side does better and it's really the mix of the two where you're going to find you know, the best result. And I just don't see that happening. I just see more closed walls. The walls continue to grow and they're getting higher and higher and higher. On that note, Jay. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, why don't, uh, why don't we break down some walls and, uh, maybe give an example of a great podcast that you've been listening to this week. So, uh, I mentioned that I did that series for the, um, Barrett Sports Media Group, uh, the five podcasts in five days. And one of my biggest takeaways from listening to those five podcasts is that sports podcasts lack innovation. It seems that everybody's doing the same thing. We're taking two people or, or multiple people. We're putting them in front of a the microphone. They're going to give their hot takes and boom, we're gone. I was most disappointed in those five podcasts I listened to. And you can go to BarrettSportsMedia.com and read my reviews. In the Real Underscore Sports podcast, which was a podcast uh, that's working with the Blue Wire group, working with these Instagram stars who have ginormous audiences on Instagram and thus have a very large built-in audience, and now they're starting to do podcasts. But what they've done is they've taken these young guys who have no radio experience and they're copying what everybody else is doing instead of actually innovating the space and doing something different. And that was what, that was the one that disappointed me the most because I was hoping to hear some innovation, but instead I heard two guys reading off of <laughs> reading other people's stuff and, and sort of making a podcast out of it. Uh, the, that led to Jason Bryant, uh, who produces uh, wrestling podcasts, uh, has the Matt Men Podcast Network. He said, I've been dabbling in narrative in narrative for the first time, and I've produced this show called Rocked Up. You know, would you mind giving it a listen? And uh, because I was in that time, I was in that space, and I didn't have any other podcasts ready to queue up. I was like, let's let's download it and listen to it. And ultimately, uh, what I told Jason. And I told him I was going to say this on the podcast is that my issue with niche sports and uh, in, in wrestling, this is not uh, the squared, the squared ring with ropes and Vince McMahon and Hulk Olympic Hogan wrestling. and stuff. Collegiate wrestling. This is, yeah, this is the, exactly um, that type of wrestling. Greco-Roman. Exactly. All the, all that stuff. Not the, not the, oh, I'm going to tell you something, brother. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> off the top rope oh oh my god that's vince mcmahon's music there are no foreign objects no there are no foreign objects in this wrestling. no 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 it's, it's it's nothing like that um is you have to get the person who's not in your niche sport excited about listening to this show and it's very well produced and it's a good story, but it makes assumptions that you already know about wrestling, except he didn't want to make those assumptions because there's a couple of times in the storytelling that he says, well, if you don't know who this person is, uh, let me tell you exactly. And he gives a brief history of why this particular person is important in the story of rocked up, except he also didn't start episode one with what rocked up is all about he started it with episode zero which is his trailer episode which i by the way skipped 
I didn't listen to the trailer episode. I started with episode one. I didn't need to hear the trailer. I wanted to listen to the podcast. I wanted to get right into the storytelling, but I missed a key important part, which he has in the trailer. And I reminded him that you kind of have to have that in every episode, not just episode one, but also episode two and episode three. And especially because he's producing it on a monthly schedule, you have to understand that while you are producing this story, and it seems very fresh to you, that person listened to part one of your story a month ago, and now they're listening to part two of your story a month later. You kind of have to remind them, you know, what they what they were listening to in part one. Plus, there's going to be those weird people that will start with episode three, and they'll decide if they want to give the whole story a shot and go back to episode one. It's just one of those weird things that occurs. But ultimately, it's very well produced. It's very well researched. I liked I liked it for the most part, but it's a little too focused on those people that are interested in in wrestling, and that's the only sort of caveat that I gave to him. That makes total sense. Uh, really interesting topic. Um, I love the tagline: "Wrestling is the world's oldest sport in Arkansas; it's the newest." Very very uh, interesting idea. I had no idea what "Rocked Up" was about. It's the University of Arkansas at Little Rock is the university that is being referenced here. So they, the Little Rock uh, Trojans, they're rocked up. All right, that makes sense. Um, so here's my show that I've been listening to this week, Jay, and I've actually been listening to it for a couple weeks now. Uh, I have begun watching the FX TV show Legion, mm-hmm. which is uh, based on the X-Men comics, of course. Legion in the comics is uh, David Howler, the son of uh, Professor X, Charles Xavier. He's one of, if, if not the most powerful mutant in the world. He also, in the comics, has... Um, I don't believe this is the term for it anymore, but we used to call it multiple personality disorder. He's uh, schizophrenic. Uh, and because of that, each one of his personalities has its own mutant power. So in the comics, often he's sort of limited because he can't control everything. But on occasions, he'll bring it all together and can be kind of a world-destroying monster if he wants to be. The TV series is just fascinating. It's from Noah Hawley, who's the same creator who made Fargo, the TV version of Fargo, uh, which I was very skeptical of, but the critics have all raved about. I haven't started watching it yet, but I've heard really good things. Uh, Legion is now in its third season on FX. This is going to be the final one. And this season, I, I it's a slight spoiler, but it was what got me interested in the show finally. Season three has introduced Charles Xavier mm. uh, into the the uh, storyline. So he is actually Charles's son, and we see that play out, or we're going to see that play out over the course of this season, uh, the two of them actually sort of meeting perhaps even. So it's very, very exciting. The show is a total mind trip. It is it is it includes musical dance numbers like full-on Bollywood musical productions as well as these insane, uh, you know, special effects jaunts. There are actual battles between, you know, psychic powered superheroes and villains. It's really, really cool. I cannot suggest it enough. It is an adult show. It's, it's TVMA. Uh, but it, it, it is very, very interesting. And this podcast that I've been listening to about it, I love even more. The podcast is called Inside Legion. It's from comicbookclublive.com. They do a weekly live show, apparently, where they like live stream and have some people in front of them even, and they talk about comic books and comic book shows, and then they have specific podcasts on individual TV shows. Inside Legion is one of them. 
the thing that I like so much about this podcast is that it is incredibly short. They do not recap the episodes, really, which is something that I know post-show podcasts, some really like the recap, some really don't like it at all. This show doesn't do that. They will skirt, you know, a brief description of what happened, and then let's get into our discussion, and then let's get out. The episodes are generally under 30 minutes, mm. which while the TV episodes are, you know, 42 minutes plus ads or whatever – to be able to get the podcast in less than the TV show, if you listen to many post-show podcasts, that, that doesn't is happen. <laughs> no, most they're usually double. Are, yeah, exactly. Like if the show's an hour long, then the podcast is two hours long. Exactly. So, so I really appreciate that about it. And I was able to, as I binged through the TV show itself, I was able to also binge the podcast without slowing me down since the podcast episodes were so brief. They really, they do give you that like, fan discussion that you want though i mean that's what a post-show podcast is about it's like i have this thing in my head now i want to hear and talk to other people about it my wife didn't watch it my best friend didn't watch it or isn't caught up with me who do i talk to oh it's this podcast that's where i get my my fix you know inside legion i cannot suggest it enough it is a very very cool show uh very enjoyable just as much as the podcast cannot suggest the tv show enough it's one of the best TV shows on TV right now, I think. And because it's on FX, I think it's going under people's radar. I think it's one of those things that people are going to find in a year or two on Hulu or Netflix or whatever, and then it's going to blow up. Hmm. I watched season one of Legion and uh, didn't get into it. I couldn't get into it. But then again, is because of that TVMA that I had to watch it late at night. So oftentimes I'd find myself falling asleep and it was just a little too much to try and get into at 10 p.m. in the evening when yeah, your brain is that. shutting down. You so, really need to have your brain active to to watch that show, I think. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean it's it's going to you might have nightmares if you if you're not fully turned on. Um the, the other thing is uh we have um uh this this show, I think well, how how should I say this? I love what they've done with mutants. I feel as a comic book fan let down in a lot of ways by the X-Men film franchise. Oh, I'm very God. excited about what Marvel's going to do now that they have access to all of the X-Men and, and those side characters. But this is an example of, and it's absolutely an adaptation. It is not super faithful to what the comic version of Legion was. But it gets the tone. It gets the feeling of that mutant otherness that comes from the comics, like the idea of them being like really set apart and persecuted, but also powerful. All of those things at the same time. This show nails it, man. And and again, as they've gone on in the second and third seasons, they go a lot of really interesting places. I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, and the first two seasons are on Hulu. So if you've got uh, access to Hulu, you can binge them there. And then the third season is available on FX now. If you're a cable subscriber, that's how I'm watching it. I'm streaming it through the FX app. Nice. All right, Jay, uh, that is it for this week. We'll have more podcast news and more podcast suggestions for you uh, next week on Always Listening. Until then, uh, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Uh, at The Real Podvader on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Podvader page, and nextfanup at gmail.com if you want to email me. 
but uh, Jason uh, DM'd me on Twitter, so that's uh, it's probably one of the easier ways to get in touch with me at the Real Pod Vader. You can find me on Twitter at the Rogues Life or anywhere else propodcastingservices.com. That's my website, and all of my info and links are there. All right, until next week, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I think the 2019 concept of The Lion King is better, but I still prefer the 1994 Lion King. Uh, Here's one for your noodle. Is the 2019 film a live-action movie or not? Mm, That's a good... Mm. mm, mm Mm-hmm. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.